We talked so far about being prepared to meet Christ, clarifying our big objective, counting the cost, last week committing to the mission, and today we're gonna discuss the last step in the power of preparation. We're gonna put it all together. We're gonna get to work by cooperating in the mission. If you do all the work to prepare and you don't actually pull the trigger and cooperate, what good has all the work been? Amen? We've been in a passage, we've talked about in Matthew 25, if you've been with us in the last handful of weeks, we've been talking about these 10 bridesmaids. Five of them were what? Wise. Five of them were what? So we have five foolish bridesmaids, five wise bridesmaids, and they were preparing to go and meet the bridegroom. Now in the story, the bridesmaids represent all of us, all of humanity. The bridegroom represents Jesus. Some of us do the wise work of being prepared to meet Jesus. Some of us say, oh, we can do that tomorrow. And we kick the can down the road. And this happened in this story that Jesus was sharing. And the five foolish bridesmaids, they kicked the can too far and they weren't prepared. And he shut the door He began the feast with the five wise and the five foolish wanted to get in. He said, I'm sorry, believe me when I say this, I don't know you. That there is a final day, there is a finality to our life and a moment when we're gonna come face to face with Jesus, with the bridegroom, and have we done the prep work? So Jesus is really preparing us together to be prepared to meet him. And this is what I love. Jesus immediately, in the very next breath, he goes directly into a new story. And this is the story that we're going to read together today. And what he wants us to know when we read this story, he wants to tell us about being prepared to cooperate with him in the affairs of his mission. He's saying, be prepared to meet me, but be prepared to join me. Let me say that. Let me preach it to this side of the room. Jesus is saying, be prepared to meet me, but like my life 22 years ago, it's so good, be prepared to join me. That what God has done in preparing us is so good that we should join him on his mission. He says in verse 14 in Matthew 25, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man. Now let me stop for a second. This man, in some translations, it says a master. Okay? This was the boss man. How many of you like to think you're the boss man or woman? Okay? Okay? Turn to somebody, I just want want you to say, I want you to turn to somebody and say, I ain't the boss. (laughs) Now, I'm gonna make this, I want you to turn to somebody and say, but you ain't the boss of me either. (laughs) I'm like, you you ain't the boss of me, okay. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man, the master, going on a long trip. He called together his servants and he trusted his money to them while he was gone. Now, I just want to break some things down, okay? Hold with me. I really need to lay the groundwork today for this last week. I need to lay the groundwork. This is really important. We have to understand some things. This story, Jesus, the master, 
is Jesus. And he's going on a long trip. What he's telling them is that I, he doesn't, like they don't understand this. I am going to, and we, can, we now can read back, look back on it. I'm gonna die on the cross. I'm gonna do the work and I'm gonna leave and I'm gonna go take my place with the Father. And I'm gonna return someday. You got it? This is what Jesus, this is what he's talking about. The servants in the story, guess who the servants are? Welcome. <laughs> servants are all of us who make a choice to follow Jesus. The master or the man is Jesus. Verse 15, he gave five bags of silver. Now in other translations, this is talents. Okay, and, and lots to be said about talents. So we, we hear people preach on this about talents like, oh, what can you do, right? My talent, like I can skip and chew gum at the same time, right? That's not, that's not what this is talking about, okay? He gave five bags of silver or talents. I like to think of these things as the seed capital. If you've ever started a business, you need seed capital, you need the initial money, the initial resource to get going. Any business owners in the room? Okay, five, 10, maybe. Okay, you guys understand seed capital, right? And so he gave these five bags of silver, these talents, the seed capital to one. He gave two bags of silver to another and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. God has placed something in va a value in each one of our hands as seed capital for us to utilize. Don't get caught up if the person next to you has more seed capital than you do. Don't get caught up. We're living in a time and space that we're not allowed to have that. We need everyone to have the same amount of seed capital. Right? That's not even biblical. He goes on and he says, the servant who received the five bags of silver began to, what did it? Invest. He invested the money, he earned five more. The servant who had two bags of silver also went to work and he earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole, or that means made a pit. <laughs> he made a pit in the ground and he hid the master's money. How many times have you or have I in my life buried what we have been given, concealed the value of the life we have been given by Jesus how many times have I dug my own pit, buried myself in it, get upset about the fact I'm in the pit? That's why it's called self-pity. I'm like, you dug that hole. You literally put yourself in the hole. Now you're crying to everybody. I only got one talent. Let me, put, let me put this in perspective for you. A talent, contextually, was 6,000 denarii. From a money standpoint, it was the equivalent of over 20 years of wages 
one talent. How many times do we dismiss the significance of one in our life? You know, all you need is one. It's a blessing if you get five, but all I need is one. Take what you make a year and multiply it times 20. And the Lord has given you that plus more. The Lord has given you so much value. He put his, God put his son's life on the line for you to make your life priceless times 20. Priceless times 20. Unfathomable. And here we are walking around, and we, I don't think we have a good grasp of the power of what God has given to us, even if it's just one. <laughs> he goes on, he says, after a long time the master returned, Jesus is going to return one day. Okay, you following the parallel here? The master returned from his trip and he called them to give an account of how they had used his money. Now, in the previous story, we were called into account of whether or not we actually were prepared to meet Jesus. Now he's going to call us into account, not just on whether we're prepared to meet him, but whether we've done anything with the life that he's given us. Let me say that again. It is not good enough for us to say yes to Jesus, but not say yes to his mission. We are going to be held to account on both fronts. I'm not even going to preach on that one right now. <laughs> the servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. I want you to notice, Master, you've given me five bags of silver to invest. He understood the assignment. You gave me something. You gave me these five to invest. He understood the assignment. Do you understand the assignment? The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Now you know where I got that line from. I know you, Pat. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's where this line came from in my life. He goes, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handing the small amounts, so and I will give you Many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. <laughs> Let's have a party. My Jesus likes to party. He goes on. He has the same conversation with the servant who had two talents. I'm skipping some verses. And he gets to the servant who buried his one. Over 20 years of wages. Because it wasn't enough. What am I going to do with my one? Listen to what happens. The servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I know you were harsh. That word harsh means a hard man. But if you break it down in the Greek, it means unchangeable. News flash. God doesn't change. He's after two people. Worshippers and the lost. And when you become a worshiper of Jesus, you join the mission in going after the lost. He'll never change. If I'm like this servant and I consider that harsh, that's my problem. If I think, G if I think Jesus is a hard man because of that, that's my problem. 
but he ain't changing. Amen? He goes, Master, I knew you were harsh, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops that you didn't cultivate. What is he doing? He shows a complete disregard and disrespect, lack of love for the master by doing what? By attempting to shift the blame of accountability and responsibility onto the master's shoulders. It's your fault. You only gave me 20 years of wages at once. I was afraid that I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's all your money back. Perhaps he was jealous. Perhaps he was angry because he had been given less than the other ones. But here's what I know. You may have been given less, but you have no less of a responsibility and an opportunity to do something with what God has given you. But the master replied, you wicked, oh, checked. <laughs> you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. He's saying, if you knew the objective of my mission, why didn't you cooperate in the mission? If you knew what I was about, why didn't you get to work with what I was about? Like, you're better off just saying, I didn't know. But he like fully admits, like, I totally know your business, master. But I'm just lame. And I just didn't do it. Right? He goes on and he says, he takes the money from the servant. He gives it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, let me say this, but from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw, this is not what I want to hear when I stand before Jesus. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here's what I know, yours, theirs, or God's mission. We are all cooperating as partners in the affairs of someone's mission. All of us. So the power preparation only reaps a harvest when we get to work by cooperating in the mission as partners. So let me break this down very quickly into three categories. We're going to cooperate as a partner in the mission by participating, investing, and sharing the mission. Number one, be prepared to cooperate by participating. It says that this master had servants and he entrusted money to them. Let, let me define for you what these servants were. These servants, number one, were not slaves. These servants were not slaves. They were considered, they were called bond servants. What that means is, is that they chose to participate. A bond service contextually in that culture, what they would do is they would willfully say, I am a free person, but I am going to, and they would go and they would take and put their earlobe against the doorpost and they would drive a wedge through their ear, they would pierce their ear and they would mark themselves and say, I am bound as a servant to that master out of my own willfulness, okay? I am gonna join the mission of this master and I do it willfully. No one's making me do it. No one's holding a gun to my head, okay? This is the same as Jesus Christ in your life. No one, Jesus Christ. No, no, no one's going to hold a weapon to you and say, you have to do this. 
This is the crazy thing about Jesus. Jesus did it all, and he left it up for you to decide if you want to be a bondservant to him. And it says that he entrusted something to the bondservants. This word entrust is to give over into one's power or use, to deliver to one something to keep. So as a bondservant, you've been given something to keep, use, take care of, manage, or participate in. Let me say that again. As a bondservant, you've been given something by God. When you say yes to Jesus, he gives something to you. You've been given something, something maybe unique to you. One, two, or five. I don't know what your talent is, but I'm telling you it has a higher value than you think, you, you, you think okay? This is what I know for sure. The enemy wants to tell you otherwise. And this money that he gives, it, it, it's it's. It's resource of high value to be used as seed capital. The assignment is that you would invest what you've been given. It's resource. God has given you resource of high value. And it's to be used as seed capital. So it's very common for servants to be given responsibility. And authority in the master's estate. It was not uncommon for this to happen. The master shared the resources of his kingdom with his servants for the purpose of his servants participating in the affairs of his mission. Is this clear? Partners cooperate by participating on Jesus' mission as investors. Point two. <laughs> we need to be prepared to cooperate by investing. And this is countercultural, I think. The servant who had five bags began to what? Invest the money. He knew the assignment. He knew he needed to invest. This word invest is to be engaged in or be engaged with. It means to commit. It means to do. It means to minister about. What this word invest means is cooperation through participation as an investor. But listen, the, 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 the wicked and lazy servant, the guy with one that didn't have enough, but it equaled 20 years of income, which if you just go ahead and do the multiplier in your head, that one would, man, imagine if you invested 20 years of your income today. Okay? <laughs> this is what happens. He goes, I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. Here's what I know about this. To be afraid means to be struck with fear. It means to be consumed with alarm. To be struck with fear, to be consumed with alarm. When you feel consumed by fear, let me tell you what you're gonna do. You're gonna consume out of fear. I'm gonna say that again. When you are consumed by fear, you will <laughs> consume out of fear. Notice that the servant began every line with I. I was afraid. I would lose your money. So I hid it. You know what this is? Instead of investing and planting, I'm going to turn it all around and make it about me. I, 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 I. Me, 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 me. So you, do you know what ends up happening? When God gives us the seed capital to do something with, guess what we do? Instead of cooperating, instead of investing, 
Instead of invest, we ingest. Instead of cooperating, we consume. America is the biggest consumer of resources in the world. Think about this. Our society is built on the back of I and me. Invest is not in our mindset. It's not in our DNA culturally, really. The average person doesn't start investing any of their money until they're in their mid-40s for retirement. And then we scream and we go, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do for retirement. And then what do we do? We ring the bell and we say, American government, do something about this. Hold on a second. You dug the pit. You threw yourself in the pit. I'm just being real. Okay? When you consume out of fear, God has given you something. When you consume that thing rather than invest that thing, when you consume out of fear, it's impossible to cooperate by investing your part the Lord has given you because you've eaten the seed. You haven't planted it. 1 Corinthians 3, 5, after all, who is Apollos, who is Paul? This is an argument, this is another sermon, this is an argument over influencers. We live in a day and age of influencers, right? He's like, who's Paul, who's Apollos? Like, I could name some influencers right now, but I'm not gonna do it, right? Like, who are you following? We talk a lot about influence, but influence is not impact. So I can have high influence, but I can have little impact, and by the way, high influence with no integrity means no impact. High influence with high integrity, strong character, means maximum impact. So when God's been giving me something, giving you something, when you invest it, you're taking, you have integrity in that and you're investing that thing. So listen to Corinthians, listen to what Paul says. After all, who is Apollos, who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believed the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord had given us. Each of us did the work the Lord had given us. Each of us are going to do the work the Lord has given us. Let me say it here. Each of us are going to do the work the Lord has given to you and I. I'm gonna say it here. Each of us, is going to do the work the Lord has given to us. And I love this. He goes, I planted the seed in your hearts. Paul is saying this to the church. I planted the seed in your hearts. And Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planning or who does the watering. It's not important who the influencers are. This is what he says. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The impact is what's important. The one who plants and the one who waters work together. Man, my gift is not your gift. But when we put it together, Something powerful happens in the church. When you bring what God's given you to the family table, everybody's part of the family and everybody brings something to the table. But when you don't bring your water can and I'm out planting, then we don't see the harvest that God wants to bring because we're not doing our parts. What is God giving you to invest, family? Quit eating it. Mm -hmm. 
We get so wrapped up in I and me. We're like, God, I got paid $4,000 this month. How can I feed myself? Okay? I've been given joy. But I'm just going to sit and eat it all for myself. I've been given peace, but I'm just going to consume it all for myself. Somewhere in your head, you believe there's not enough. There's a lack mentality to think that God doesn't have enough. You know that the scripture doesn't say, it doesn't say that God was afraid that you would lose it. God's not afraid you're going to lose the gift he's given you. He's afraid you're not going to give it away fast enough. He's afraid you're not going to invest it. He's afraid you're going to show up to church in San Diego, California, in a little city called San Marcos, or wherever you're listening from. He's, a, he's more worried that you're going to show up with it, and you're going to be sitting back taking big scoops and eating it for yourself. He says, and both of us will be rewarded for their own hard work. It's time to get to work. For we are both God's workers and you are God's field. He's telling the Corinthians, you're the field. Your life is the bank that we're depositing in. For we both are God's workers and you are the field and you are God's building. We are laborers with crisis partners who participate in the planning process of investing. Too often... We consume the seed when it should be sowed, thinking that consuming it will bring us the influence and impact. But listen, there's more influence and impact from the orchards that are in the seeds. Let, 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 me, let, 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 me, let me say this again. In the seed that you and I consume sometimes, out of fear. And every seed is an orchard. And if we would begin investing, we can learn to live off the orchard and stop eating the seed. The gift of the seed that God has given you is for the mission. The mission is not for you to get the seed. Investment, this is what I love about investment, it makes you an owner. And let me tell you something about owners. Owners share the mission that they're invested in. Very quickly, we need to be prepared to cooperate by sharing. This is what I know about investors. They are chief evangelists. I own stock in Apple. Don't tell me to buy a Google phone. Right? You can debate me. You can, you can tell me all day long why it's better. But I'm sorry. I'm eating paid dividends off my Apple stock. Truth. 
And I'm a chief evangelist, so I'm like, you need to buy an iPhone or you need to have the new MacBook with the M2 processor and you need to have a watch that tells you when your phone is ringing. And by the way, you should probably buy you know, the, the HomePod and you should buy an Apple TV. And when they come out with a car, you should buy that car too. Apple's the best thing in the world. Why am I a chief evangelist? Because I'm invested. I'm technically a partial owner of Apple. So here's what I know. When you invest, you become a chief evangelist. You begin sharing at will. People run into you and you're just like, hey, what kind of phone you got? Oh, that's horrible. You should have an Apple phone. You know you're all evangelizing something. I love, if you've been around me for like 10.2 seconds and it comes to nutrition, you know I'm about to say, you know, the people in the room that know me know what I'm about to say. You know what I love more than anything right now? An acai bowl from Lofty Coffee in La Costa. I do a workout, man, and I go, I, I would go straight to Lofty. I'm like, I, I'm like, give me, I walk in the door and they're like, acai bowl. And I'm like, tell everybody. It's the best. I, I took my son-in-law there yesterday. I haven't tell him for months about this acai bowl. I'm a chief evangelist about it. I'm sharing the mission. Lofty doesn't even know it. They should put me on payroll. I'm like, you should have one of these acai. This is the best thing ever. My son-in-law gets three bites in and he goes, this is amazing. I'm like, see, I told you Jesus was good. I told you there was peace. I told you there was joy. I'm a chief evangelist for the mission. I'm invested, but investors share. Could you get to your feet this morning? I'm an investor, but investors share. How many of you have felt the investment of Jesus in your life? How many of you are investing with what God has given you? How many of you are chief events? How many of you just go buck wild like, hey, I understand you're feeling really depressed right now and anxiety is like all over you and you got problems in your marriage and your kid is like wiling out and you don't even know what's going on. Like, are they even from my DNA? Right? And I'm like, <laughs> let me tell you, have you tried? I'm invested in this, this guy, G. If I could just tell you about Jesus. I could just, if I could share with you what happened in my life when I was a train wreck and addicted. My marriage was falling apart. Could I just share with you how good, how amazing? And I don't know what you're gonna do with what I'm telling you, but I am I'm bound to invest and make a deposit in the bank of your life. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you listen? Why didn't you make the deposit? Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? Why didn't you, if you knew I was about the lost, if you, if you knew I was about people that weren't understanding peace and they, they, they weren't feeling joy, if you knew that I was about helping those people, why didn't you make the deposit in the bank of their life? 
Why didn't you share the mission? Don't you get we're partners here, man? I thought, I thought you were invested. I thought you were like a chief of... I just don't even... Jesus is like, I don't even understand like the cognitive dissonance in your, in your thinking. I'm going to end with this scripture. Philippians 1.3, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. He says, whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Church, would you... Would you be willing to be partners in the joy that God has given to me and to this family here? Would you step in and say yes to Jesus, begin to invest and share the mission? Would you be partners? He says, and I am certain that God who began a good work within you will continue to work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. If Christ is still at work at participating on his mission in our lives and my life, then we should still be at work participating in the mission with our lives. If he's not done with you and he's not done with me, then we're not done with his mission. Amen? Let's pray this morning. God, we understand the assignment. We're prepared. We understand the assignment. And it's time for us to get to work. There are people in this room that need your peace, that need your hope, that need your joy, that need Jesus. They don't need 13 steps to a better whatever. They don't need how to be a better you in 2022. They don't need any of that. They just need Jesus. And they need Believers who actually take the role of follower and become chief evangelists and participate and invest and share the mission. And God, whatever the one thing is, let us see significance in it. Let us see the power of the one thing that you've given us. Let us not discount the one thing that we have at our disposal. Let us not discount the one dollar let us not discount the one minute. Let us not discount the one encouraging word. Let us not discount the power of one. That we would just say yes and we would get to work. Now, what I'm going to do is I understand the prospect of sharing your faith. I know statistically it's one of the most daunting things for a person who says yes to Jesus. I've read the studies and I want to do everything I can. We want to do everything we can as a family to make this as simple and as easy as possible. We want to fundamentally break this down. We want to demystify it. We want to remove whatever you think about sharing your faith. So for the next four weeks, we're going to be in a series called Sharing is Caring. 
Because if God has been that good in my life, how much would I have to hate you to not share it? So sharing is caring. That's what I tell my two-year-old. So we're gonna break it all the way down. Break it down. Okay? You're not gonna wanna miss it. Would you, would you participate and invest and share in the next four weeks with us? Could you start today by asking yourself this question? How am I investing in sharing my faith? Perhaps this week, would you even take it a step further as a superstar that you are? And would you, because you can do anything how many times? Ha <laughs> ha, yes. Would you one time this week share what's good about Jesus in your life? with one person around you and make that deposit? Would you do it? It doesn't have to be weird, okay? And would you make the commitment to joining us next week for the next four weeks? We have the biggest opportunity in our entire calendar year with Easter coming. The on-ramp is low. Cannot be any easier. And we're gonna learn how to share our faith, amen? Amen. Lord, be with us as we're about your business. Something important this morning is that if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want my friend Jesus to be introduced to you. And we are so serious about this. I'm gonna ask you this morning, if you wanna make a commitment in your relationship with Jesus Christ, that you would come forward. I know that maybe you're like, I've been in church before, man, I've seen it. You just raise your hand. <laughs> Our goal is your growth. You only grow in community. And so we wanna walk with you, wanna pray with you. Before you leave this house, would you please come forward and say, I wanna make a commitment to Jesus today. We have a ministry team that's gonna pray with you. If you have struggle or pain emotional, physical, mental, financial, relational, whatever it is, if you have struggle or pain today, I am firmly convinced that, a God, that God is alive and well as much today as ever. He's a healing God. He brings peace. He brings hope. He brings joy, even when your heart's broken. And we want to pray with you. Do not miss this opportunity. Amen? Amen.